kicking off our PFI draft day coverage. I'm delighted to welcome, uh, honestly, lads, fantastic, fantastic analyst in the NFL from Pro Football Focus, Sam Monson. Sam, uh, first off, welcome, mate. How are you doing? Good, good. How's it going? It's good, man. I, I was saying just off, just just off camera. It, it was great to see you guys, and, and honestly, just just to meet you lads in Phoenix for the first time. That was a great week, great radio row. And suddenly, Sam, it just it just flies in. We're on the cusp of the draft, and I'll I'll just jump into the first question here. You know, it's it's funny. Like this week, we're seeing rumors and Reddit's. Um, are you still set on Bryce Young and Thursday night going out first? Yeah, I think that's the one thing that we think we know at this point, right? Like this, this draft feels crazy more than any draft I can remember in terms of nobody really knows what's going to happen. Like uh, there's so many rumors going around. There's so little clarity. Um, like you watch all the reports from like the insider people, you know, all these the guys with contacts and, you know, people that talk to real uh, NFL staffers, coaches, GMs, whatever, all the reports right now are like nothing. They're all like, I talked to somebody still don't know anything, you know, like talk to somebody who has no clue what's happening. That's like every report right now. But the only thing that everybody does appear to be aligning on is that Bryce young is going to go number one. And then from that point on, like all bets are off. Nobody knows what's happening with the Texans at two. And that's, that's the domino starting. Right. Yeah, like I think that's extremely interesting. Now, I know like in the last kind of, I guess the last day and a bit at this point, we've kind of seen like Will Levis, like just talk of him going number one. I like, I don't know how much you give to that, but like what would be your thoughts even just on him as a player overall? Yeah, I like Levis more than most people. I can't get behind the idea of getting him to number one. Um, I think he's now the betting favorite to go number two overall, though, which is starting to make some sense. Um, not because Houston would take him, but because somebody else might trade up there. You know, Houston might be able to get out of that pick, trade back with somebody who does covet Will Levis. And I think that's where that is coming from. Um, Levis is a weird prospect because every player comp you hear for, from for him is a terrifying one, right? It's Mitchell Trubisky or it's Jake Locker or Blaine Gabbert, or it's a bunch of people that like don't exactly inspire confidence. Um, but he's got an incredible arm, like a ridiculous arm. He's got not just power, but this ridiculous compact delivery. That's just instant. Like he's able to just fire the ball out in a heartbeat, regardless of where he wants to put it, just fire it out there. Um, better than anybody in this class. If you go back to 2021 and look at him within that offense, um, when he had Liam Cohen as his offensive coordinator, the former Rams offensive coordinator, a legitimate like offensive mind and an NFL offensive mind. We, we talked to Liam Cohen at the, the PFF party in the, the combine a couple of years ago, really smart guy. Um, and when he was there, I think you got to see what Will Levis could do in the NFL, you got to see him look a lot more comfortable running that offense. Um, he was playing well. He had a bit more help around him as well. The offense generally made more sense that year. So I think that season, you got to kind of see the selling points of Will Levis. Now, even that year, you can still sort of say, would have liked to see a few more big plays for a guy that has that kind of arm talent. That's that's definitely an open question mark. And He's still a little bit more inaccurate than you would like. You're going to need to fix some uh, mechanical issues with his footwork and that kind of stuff. But 
if Bryce Young is gone and you're a team that needs a quarterback and your three options are Levis, CJ Stroud, and Anthony Richardson, there's definitely a world where you can talk yourself into Will Levis as the next guy of that group. Absolutely. And at the time of recording, Sam, we've got a number of teams that don't currently have a pick in the first round. Dolphins, Rams, Broncos, Browns, Niners, think picking 99th. Do you see or foresee any situation in which any of these teams could trade up? I've seen these crazy mock drafts where you've got Lamar Jackson going to certain places and teams going crazy. Um, it's just silly season until Thursday night at this stage. <laughs> yeah, pretty much is. Like the, I don't think any of those teams are going to go crazy and trade up dramatically because I don't think it's that kind of draft. Like it's a weak draft overall and it's weak at the top as well. Like the value is actually where those teams are in the second and third rounds where I think there's a ton of, of options. So I think what might you, what you might see is some teams at the bottom of the first round trade in either direction, like trade out of the first round or trade from the bottom of the first round to somewhere in the middle to try and get like the last of the top tier players. So maybe one of those offensive tackles, if the few of them have already gone early, a team might jump up and try and grab the last one or the last of the cornerbacks that the guys love, or maybe the top wide receiver if all of those guys start to fall. So I think you might see that, but then the big X factor is like you said, is one of these veteran players getting traded for something that nobody saw coming, whether it's Lamar Jackson, Trey Lance could be, you know, potentially available. I think the wide receivers could be interesting. Like this is not a good wide receiver draft class. So if I was, let's say Houston, right. If Houston picks a quarterback at number two, and then they have the 12th overall pick and the need at wide receiver, they should be offering that pick to the 49ers for Brandon IU to the Bengals for T Higgins. And maybe neither of those teams will bite, but they should be making that offer and seeing if they can convince one of those teams to, you know, trade away a proven wide receiver commodity for the 12th overall pick. That's the kind of move I think that, you know, might happen on draft night and it's going to be very difficult to see coming. And I, you know, I bringing it back, I guess, to the, the quarterbacks and, you know, we, we can kind of guess now maybe what the order might be, or at least we know who the, the top kind of guys are going to be. But I was wondering, like, your thoughts on either where one Hendon Hooker will go and do you think, like, he has a high ceiling or is his age a barrier to him maybe reaching what the other guys might get? Yeah, the Hendon Hooker thing is an interesting conversation. Um, I think it's starting to look like he will go in the first round. I mean, that's getting clearer and clearer, I think, as the draft approaches. I have a really hard time buying into that um, as something that should happen. The Hendon Hooker had, uh, he played really well. Like his tape is fantastic. He dominated at Tennessee. His numbers are insane. If you look at just, you know, passing totals or touchdown interception ratio, whatever the number is you want to look at, he crushed it at Tennessee. The problem is that Tennessee offense is so far divorced from anything in the NFL. It's, it's not applicable. Like it's very difficult to try and extract what he was doing in that system and figure out what it means for playing in an NFL system. The, the, the Tennessee offense effectively chops the field in half and makes a half field read. And the read is not even, you know, a, a progression. It's an either or thing, right? It's identify corner. If he's there, go there. If he's there, go there. Right. It's really, really simple stuff. And he was really good at doing that. Like he saw that really well, almost never made mistakes, hit the right read every single time. 
on the other hand, it's about as simple as the read can get when it comes to football. It's, it's, it's a really kind of basic level stuff. So he's got the size, he's got the accuracy, he's got the arm, he's got mobility once he heals from his ACL. Um, and his numbers within that system are amazing. So it's basically impossible to craft an argument that like actively dislikes him because there's no bad there, right? The problem is you don't know what that means when it comes to playing in an NFL system where you're going to have to full field reads, you're going to have to work through progressions. It's just a totally different thing. And the receivers are not going to be wide the hell open every single snap as well. So that unknown, I think, is a huge bridge to try and cross. I'm not massively concerned by his age. Like, sure, you'd like him to be younger, but, you know, quarterbacks now are playing into their late 30s. Worst case scenario, worst case scenario, it's like a three-year project to get him on the field in the NFL and you still get a 10-year career out of him. So I don't think that should be a reason for diminishing him, except maybe he's a 24, 25-year-old guy playing against, you know, 19, 20-year-olds or something to that. But generally the age wouldn't be a concern for me the ACL isn't ideal, but again, it's not a massive deal. It's really a case of how you bridge that gap of, I don't know what this is going to look like in the NFL because it's a totally different world to what he's been asked to do. That analysis, I, Sam, and a plethora, a lot of things are available for people in Ireland, UK, Europe to see from Sam on pff.com. And one thing, Sam, that I did see today before I was going to get you on here was your players to look for at every position. And and one that really sticks out to me is Spears, the running back from, um, I've got forgot the name. Wow. Tulane. Uh, he had a serious cotton ball, if I can remember, but him, and then you're, you've also got Stanson Bennett as your quarterback. These two, I, I, I love the selections. I, I'd love to know what your ceiling is for Bennett because he does, as you said, have slight concerns there, but serious uptake if it works out. Bennett to me is the guy, like if you're looking, everyone's going to be looking for the next Brock Purdy, right? The guy that nobody saw coming, but actually has starting ability despite everything he's got working against him, right? Marginal size, marginal arm, Mr. Irrelevant, all those kinds of things. But you throw him in the offense and all of a sudden, wow, we've got an upgrade. He's better than the guy we drafted with the third overall pick and he's our new starter. I'm not saying that's Stetson Bennett, but if I was betting on a guy, from that tier of quarterbacks, right? If you get past the big four and then you get past Hendon Hooker, who's going to be the next guy. And then the draft just dries up from, in terms of quarterbacks, if you're looking for one of the guys from that point on, you're saying, look, we need a backup right now. And which one of these guys maybe can hit, can be something else. I wouldn't bet against Stetson Bennett becoming a starter down the line like he's got an nfl arm he's got nfl mobility he's had to do it the hard way like georgia tried to replace him multiple times in his college career and he just kept coming back and, and grinding and ended up becoming you know the guy and played two years back-to-back national titles played incredibly well like he's just he's a baller and I know NFL people like guys in NFL offices think the same thing as well. I've talked to a couple of them. They're like, I just love that guy. And, you know, I don't like the off field stuff is a little bit weird, you know, getting himself arrested and all that kind of thing. But I literally heard one guy re- uh, reply to me. I was like, look, I, you, you would have loved him to go to the senior ball, not get arrested. Right. That would have been I, uh, much preferable to the other way around. But he was like, I'd rather have a beer drinker than a milk drinker, a quarterback. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I kind of feel that's what he is. Like he's somebody that I think is just going to defy expectations and 
become a better player than he has any right to be. Yeah, and I guess going on to another guy you were pretty high on and someone who, at least when I was, when we were talking in our podcast about guys we really liked and going through the positions, he was my number one uh, receiver. It was Jordan Addison. And I just want your thoughts on him because I think for me, he's probably the most pro-ready guy at wide receiver right now. Yeah, I think he's the number one receiver as well. Um, interestingly, like he's stayed very high in the kind of consensus big board. It's like the narrative has been bad about him, but it hasn't actually caused that many people to drop him down their their big boards overall. So I, I kind of wonder if he might actually go higher than people have been expecting. But the his pre-draft process has been kind of concerning every step of the way. He was a lot lighter than he was supposed to be. He was slower than he was supposed to be. Like every step has been not helping him. But you go back to the tape and he reminds me a little bit of Garrett Wilson from a year ago where it's like he's not necessarily special at anything, but he's good at everything. And he's shown now that he can do well in multiple different offenses, in multiple different roles, playing you know most of the time outside one year, most of the time in the slot the other year. Um, he's good at all levels of the field. I think he's faster than his timed speed in the 40s showed up the the tracking data says he's quicker than that so i think he's a very safe wide receiver and, and maybe he doesn't have you know number one upside but i'm not sure anybody in this class does and i i feel like he's a really safe bet to add to a team particularly if they don't need that one number one like superstar would encourage anyone to check out pff.com use code draft 40 for 40 percent. i was not asked to do that i'm doing it myself because i've got so much content out of it over the last few days Sam, uh, one thing that you have talked about, and it is premium content on the website, is the potential for the slide of CJ Stroud on 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 Thursday. Do you think that's you know a real thing where he where he could really really drop and you and, and you could see teams trading up on on the night? And it sort of goes into my next one. Do you see a team, especially in the first round, deciding to trade up? And is there one that sticks out to you? Yeah, I, I can definitely see, I can see any of those three quarterbacks outside of Bryce Young sliding. Um, I think it's such a weird group where each one of them has a strength, each one of them has a weakness. And depending on what it is you covet at the quarterback position, you can talk yourself into any of those guys, or you could be scared witless of any of them, right? Like the Anthony Richardson obviously has, like his tape is is not good, but he's got unprecedented, literally unprecedented athleticism, tools, physical ability. Um, Will Levis, we already talked about CJ Stroud, very accurate, you know, incredibly good rhythm passer, but was bad outside of structure for basically his entire career outside of that Georgia game. So you can definitely see teams talk themselves out of CJ Stroud, particularly with this S2 cognition score that's kicking around. That's a difficult thing to try and pin down. Um, it was leaked that he scored in the 18th percentile of that. The co-founder has come out and kind of debunked that a little bit. On the other hand, multiple other sort of NFL sources have come out after that and sort of said his S2 score is scary. So I don't know what the truth is with that, to be honest. But if his S2 score is bad, that's the kind of thing that tallies with, you know, hasn't been good in, under pressure and outside of structure over his career. So I could definitely see, you know, a team that needs a quarterback sitting there. Bryce Young is gone and determining there's no quarterback that we like at this spot. So I think there may be truth to Houston uh, not picking a quarterback at two. Arizona obviously wants out at number three. They're not taking one. The Colts are going to take their one guy. 
but that might be it for a while at quarterbacks. You you might not see one go for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, the last two guys uh, in that quarterback group are sliding into the teens and and into the potential clutches of you know teams like Tampa Bay or Minnesota or you know those teams that don't have a quarterback now or next year all of a sudden have a shot at one of those guys that is sliding. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm trying to move us on, I guess, a bit, I guess a bit from the quarterbacks. And I just want to ask, like, is there any guys that you personally or that, you know, anyone at PFF or anything, you know, have kind of graded pretty highly, but they might not be available till later on in the draft that maybe, you know, some of the fans uh, that can be, can look forward to on, you know, day two or three of the draft. Yeah, I think there's always a ton of those guys um, at every position, guys that you sort of fall in love with. There's a couple of corners that I think are really interesting names. Uh, Terrell Smith from Minnesota is kind of all over the place. Um, Lance Zerline, who does the NFL.com position rankings and and grading, has them graded really high, but most other places don't. I just saw Todd McShay rank him really high as well. But if you look at just last year, that guy has like top five tape of any of these corners. He's really good. Um, and then Mackay Blackman from USC is another corner, I think, that has really, really good tape, but is flying kind of deep under the radar um, because he's not the biggest in the world. He's He would be working against those kind of size limitations. But um, yeah, there's a ton of guys. Like Edge Rusher, I think, is another one with a ton of really interesting players. Carl Brooks from Bowling Green is this fascinating player who's... 300 pounds he's he's going to be an interior lineman at the next level like at 300 pounds they're just going to move him inside but he was an edge rusher a bowling green like he was a 300 pound edge rusher who looked good doing it like he, he didn't look like a defensive tackle playing out on the edge he looked like he had the movement skills for it and i think he's a better edge rusher than he is an interior guy so figuring out what teams do with somebody like that is going to be fascinating to watch and generally this draft is stuffed full of like weird physical outliers, guys like Carl Brooks or the other end of the scale, these sort of tank Dell uh, players, you know, these five, nine, five, 10, 160 pound wide receivers. Like it is a very strange draft for physical outliers in one direction or the other. Uh, last one from us, Sam, before you go uh, two part one, first off, do you think Derek Henry will still be a member of the Titans roster come Monday? I know, I know I'm being sketchy with that question. And secondly, for a lot of us, especially in Ireland, UK, Europe, Friday, Saturday, it, I'm not saying it's hangover central, but we're all wrecked. And the one thing that I do enjoy each year is the content, the, the live streams that you guys have, especially on the Friday recap and stuff. What's the general plans from PFF over the next few days? Yeah, I think Derrick Henry probably stays as a member of the Titans just because that contract, I think, is a difficult one for anybody to take on. There aren't that many teams, I think, that would be in that market. So I think he's probably still there. Um, yeah, so we've got a live show uh, streaming during the draft for each day of the draft, um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're going to have a recap show on Sunday that just generally talks about big picture stuff, what we saw from the whole draft, general takeaways. On top of that, uh, myself and Steve will be doing our podcast. The first one will be coming immediately after round one. So round one ends. We're literally going to drop kick Chris out of the chair, uh, start the stream for our show and just go right into it. Um, and then on Sunday, we'll be starting the our uh, division by division recaps for the draft as well. So PFS YouTube channel, the, the podcast as well, just search Pro Football Focus. That's where tons of content will be coming out. 
absolutely. And pff.com code draft 40 folks for a discount on the premium stuff as well. Uh, Sam, at pff underscore Sam, I encourage anyone, especially from Ireland, UK, Europe, follow this man. Great supporter of the game internationally. And Sam, we are indebted to you not only for your time, but also your support. Uh, hopefully see you soon, mate. Hopefully before Vegas. But for now, Kirby Moggett and uh, thanks a million. Enjoy the draft. No problem. Thanks, guys. Anytime. time.